Jesus, we thank you, God, for tonight. We thank you for just this time of worship already and just spending time with you. And God, we ask that you would now speak to us through your word, Lord, that you would move upon us, God, and that you would, your word would affect us, Lord, and change us, and, and that your word would really help us, God, to become the people you want us to become, to rely upon your spirit, Lord, more and more, not on ourselves, but to really understand that the power lies in you, that the power is in you, God, and in the spirit who dwells in us. So, Lord, let us see the testimony of that tonight. And I pray that you would use your word to speak greatly and deeply and change us. And I ask for your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 2. And tonight we're actually going to go through verse 14 through 41. So we have a chunk of verses to take a look at here. <clears throat> but it's going to go quick. Now, it's been told how the pioneer missionary to Africa, David Livingston, his, when he stood up for his first sermon, it did not go too good. In that first time, he preached as a student, and he he completely forgot what he was going to say. Can you imagine going up, getting ready for your sermon, and then your mind goes blank? I'm sure his knees were shaking, his body was sweaty, maybe his mouth was even dry too. You know what? They say that the number one thing that people fear is actually public speaking. (coughs) The fear of death actually comes second. So it's really getting in front of people and talking that really is the most dreaded thing in the whole world. It's funny, David Livingston later wrote this. I am still a very poor preacher and have a bad delivery. And some say that if they knew I was to preach, they would not enter the chapel. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <clears throat> well, even though David Livingston failed in this attempt, it did not stop him in becoming a missionary and sharing Jesus in a foreign land. You know why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to fulfill our calling. Well, as we return to the book of Acts, we find this very thing. We find Peter, one of the apostles, standing up to preach. And when he preached, it was not good. It was actually amazing. It was amazing. For you know what? 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. So our title tonight is this, Peter Powerfully Preaches Jesus. And again, we're going to be studying Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 41. Now, we're going to see three things here. And number one is the courage in the spirit. Number two, the case for Jesus Christ. And number three, the call to salvation. And so that's our points today and our outline. Let's begin with how Peter powerfully preaches Jesus with, number one, the courage in the spirit. The courage in the spirit. Now, in this section, we're going to look at verse 14 and 15. It's a, <clears throat> it's a little bit shorter in this first part, but just two verses here. So let's read this. Acts chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says here, but Peter, standing with the eleven, Lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. We'll stop there. Now we begin here in verse 14 with Luke writing, But Peter standing with the eleven. Now the reason Peter gets up among the other 11 apostles that was there was to address this amazed crowd. (coughs) If you remember last time, we learned how this was a Jewish holiday going on called Pentecost. So many Jews from was from all over the country, all over the area, from different countries. Uh, They lived there, grew up there. They spoke different dialects. 
And while they were there, the Holy Spirit came and baptized the 120 that were waiting for the promise of the Father to come. Remember, they were praying in that upper room. And I believe somehow that news spread of the Holy Spirit coming. And then they began to speak in tongues and the dialect of the languages of those who had come to the celebration, this Jewish celebration. And with that, they began to hear in their own language these people praising God, giving God glory. So the Jews in town began to hear all this. And and it says in verse 3, they're amazed, they're confused. They're like, whoa, what does all this mean? What does it mean? What's going on? So with that question put out, we come to verse 14. So Peter stands up here. standing, he lifted up his voice and addressed them. So he lifted a voice. He had to think about to speak loud because there's a crowd. We're going to see later that that there's at least 3,000 people there. So he boldly stands up and basically he's, he's saying, hey, listen up, you guys. Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. Like, listen here. Let me, let me answer that question. Let me explain to you what was going on. And he says in verse 15, look, these people aren't drunk. The 120, the others are speaking this different language of tongues that the Holy Spirit had come upon them. It, it's not that at all. Remember, up you can see in verse 13, others are mocking and said, oh, they're filled with new wine. You know, they're drinking, they're drunk in that way. But that doesn't even make sense because they're actually speaking a language clearly and praising the Lord. Plus, uh, Peter says, since it's only the third hour of the day, now in Jewish timing, the third hour is 9 a.m. So it's morning. I mean, you you don't drink then. That's not what's going on here. Then in verse 16, Peter's going to go on, explain, answer that question of what does this mean? And we're going to see that in our next section. But for now, I want you to focus in on how Peter, he was the one who stood up. He was the one who lifted up his voice. And and I think this is important that we see Peter here in this light. In that after all his failures, God used Peter to preach the first message on Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? I mean, already we've seen him kind of take this leadership role we saw in the last chapter where he stood up and say, hey, we got to replace Judas and we need, you know, 12 here and all that. (coughs) So here we see Peter standing up. He's the one to first preach this message of Jesus ever after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Now, we know Peter failed. Poor Peter. Yeah. I mean, his mistakes, I I think, I kind of feel sorry for the guy. I mean, think about it. After all his mistakes and failures, they're forever contained in Scripture. You know, I don't want my mistakes to be in Scripture, everyone to read it forever, right? You know, I'm sure we get to heaven and say, hey, Peter, remember you did that? You remember that? You know, he'll be like, yeah, don't bring it up, man. (laughs) You know, kind of thing. But poor Peter, right? Remember like how prideful he was. In Matthew 18, 21, Peter is like, um, how, how many times are we to forgive Jesus? Seven times? And he was proud of saying seven times. And Jesus kind of put him down and says, oh, no, it's 70 times. Seven, you know. It was probably like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's hard. Or you remember how he put his foot in his mouth in, in Matthew 16. Jesus shared how, hey, you guys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The chief priests and guys, they're going to make me suffer. I'm going to be put to death. And remember Jesus was saying, but you know what? I'm going to rise again the third day. But they missed all that. But they focused in on what? What? You, Jesus, suffer and die? And so who stands up? Well, it's Peter. Peter says he rebukes Jesus. And basically he says, no, Lord. Right? And you're never supposed to use those two words, right? No and Lord. But here's Peter. No, Lord, that's not going to happen. You're wrong. 
And then Jesus, remember, famously said, get behind me, Satan. I mean, here Peter was like, hey, no, you know, puts his foot in his mouth. But then, oh, to be called that, to, to, to think that he, his mouth was used by the enemy toward Jesus. I mean, <clears throat> how humiliating is that? Remember how impulsive he was in his promises. In Matthew 26, Jesus predicted that all the disciples, right, the, the, the shepherd would be slain, the sheep would be scattered, right? All the disciples will scatter when they arrest Jesus, when they take Jesus. Well, Peter, like, hey, they may be, but not me. And what did Jesus tell him? He predicted that, hey, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter did deny Jesus. He was the one, I'm going to stand up for you, Jesus. But then he was the one who denied Jesus three times as predicted. He failed. <clears throat> so I think about this. Poor Peter. We tend to remember all his failures. And in a way, we can relate to Peter that way. But we need to remember his success, too. His success. And this is what we see right here. After the Holy Spirit came, Peter stood up. Peter was the one to preach this first sermon about Jesus Christ. And you know what it was? It was the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Look back to Acts chapter 1, verse, um, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. Remember what Jesus told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, uh, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what ha happens to Peter. The Spirit comes. He receives that power and he becomes that witness. This is what God does in him. So even after all his failures, Peter found the courage in the spirit to stand up and preach for Jesus. That's what God does, you know. <coughs> That's what he does for you and I. The Holy Spirit comes and gives us that boldness. The Holy Spirit comes and empowers us and gives that, us that ability to share Jesus. And even after our failures. I mean, don't you feel after you sin or fail like, well, I'm not doing that again. You know, I, sometimes we play like games or board games and sometimes it's a new game and I remember one of the kids and one of the people were playing like, we played and they didn't do good and they're like, I'm not playing that anymore because they, they didn't do good. They lost. They failed. You know, some of my kids, it's like if they don't win, then they fail. You know, second place isn't good enough. But sometimes we're like that in life or before God or, or in ministry or when we serve the Lord. And it's like, oh, we failed. And it's like, oh, forget it. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to go through that again. You're humbled. You're embarrassed. Maybe it's good. Your pride is knocked down. But guess what? That doesn't mean it's the end. And what we see with Peter, even after all his failures, Peter found the courage in the spirit to stand up and preach for Jesus. Remember, it was Jesus himself in John 21 that went to Peter after all his failures, even denying him three times. Jesus called him back into ministry, right? He said, feed my sheep. Tend, tend my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. <coughs> That's the thing. Jesus forgave him and gave him a second chance. Lifted him up. And then he taught all the disciples. And we're going to see the result of Jesus teaching Peter and the other disciples. We're going to see this in the next section. This, this is God's heart. To come forgive us. To lift us up again. And train us. To teach us. To do better. And to give us his Holy Spirit. Because now Peter filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> this one who seemed most to, who had failed the most, I should say, is now first to preach. So understand, 
The forgiveness of Christ is there for all of us. And the Holy Spirit is given so that we can be bold. And we can have the courage to, to minister, to serve God. So have courage in this spirit. <coughs> and share Jesus. And this is how God worked in Peter's life. And how Peter powerfully preached Jesus. All right. We go from the courage of the spirit to the case for Jesus. And this is our longest section. We're going to be looking at verse 16 through 36. Verse 16 through 36 here. But first of all, let's look at verse 16 through 18. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, remember, we back in um, verse uh, above, uh, verse 12, right? They're all amazed, perplexed, confused, like saying to one another, what does this mean? Well, here it is. <laughs> In verse 16, Peter begins to give this answer. What does this mean? What? You guys speaking this language, speaking in tongues? What? Oh, this mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire in the head. I don't know if they saw that, but what does it all mean? Well, Peter comes in and quotes the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verse 28 to verse 32. Now, he's going to preach this sermon, and I'm going to give you four parts to this sermon, or three parts, four parts to this sermon. And first of all, Peter says, look, this is what Joel foretold. This is what Joel foretold. And so he quotes Joel chapter 2, 28 to 32. And so he begins here, quoting it. It says, and in the last days it shall be. Now let's take a look at that for a moment. When it says the last days, in the Jewish sense, in the Old Testament, it really talks about the time of the Messiah. That's the last days. When the Messiah comes, in the Jewish mindset, in the prophecies of the Old Testament, The Messiah was to come in and defeat all the enemies, set up his kingdom, and then set up, well, what as we know as the millennium, his kingdom on the earth. Well, (coughs) so the last days is like the messianic age. There's actually, we know today, two comings. His first coming, right? And then his second coming. His first coming, he came to die on a cross. The second coming, he's going to come to conquer and bring in the millennium and set up his kingdom on the earth. So all of that really speaks of the last days. In between his first and second coming, we have what Paul called the mystery that was revealed. Paul wrote in the New Testament, which is the church age. When the church is is, um, dwelling on the earth before the rapture and God deals with the church, but not Israel. But we know... In that 70th week of Daniel, during the tribulation years, God will once again work with Israel, bring the nation to himself to be saved through Jesus Christ. And so this term, last days, really speaks about overall the, the coming of the Messiah, whether it's the first or the second return, but this age of the Messiah. So here in those days, the last days, when the Messiah, Christ comes, basically he brings salvation. That's the basic thought. Okay, in those days of the Messiah, we read here in, the, in this prophecy, God declares that he will pour out my spirit, his spirit on all flesh. <coughs> so now the spirit is going to come into people. I mentioned that before. In our study in the book of Acts, how, how that never before only prophets and certain kings would receive the Spirit. But now, through Jesus Christ, because of what he's done on the cross, every person 
who believes in him will receive the Spirit, and the Spirit will come and be poured into us. So that's what this is speaking about, along with what it's going to be in the millennium where all the saved people there will have the Spirit. And so it expands into your sons and daughters shall prophesy, Young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. Like God's going to speak to them. The Spirit's going to give them visions and dreams. By the way, I only see visions. I don't dream dreams. Because I'm young. I'm not old. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> Get it? All right. I know everyone's laughing online. All right. Anyway. <clears throat> So it includes everyone, you know, even male servants, you know, the, the lowest in society, female service. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So they, the spirit will be in people, not just prophets in the Old Testament who prophesied or certain kings, but everyone will be anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when the Messiah comes then, think of it this way. He will bring a whole new era for individual believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that, that's the idea here. That, that's the, the, the main thought. Then he <coughs> continues to quote Joel. And he says in verse 19, And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Joel ends with that. Now, the other bookend, right, is the Messiah's second coming. And this is what it's talking about. That there's going to be wonder, signs, darkness, blood, moon. We saw all that in the, our studies in the book of Revelation. They're all signs of that end when Christ comes back. And when he returns, he's going to return and bring judgment to those who do not believe in him. And this is what the prophecy is talking about. And so this prophecy is still to come, the second part. Right now, the the, the spirit being in individual believers is happening right now. And, and that's what Peter's bringing up here. But one day soon that the end will come, Christ will come, and these things that Joel talked about will happen. So part of this prophecy is still to come. But Peter quotes here in Joel, but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now he's beginning to give a hint here. He's beginning to put this out. And we'll see it all come together at the end of this sermon. So Peter uses prophecy to show the start of this new era. It's here, he's saying. It's here right now. What Joel prophesied, it's happening right now. <coughs> so this is what Joel foretold. So then Peter goes on to a second part of his sermon in verse 23 through uh, 24. He says, number two, this all relates to Jesus. This all relates to Jesus. Take a look here, verse 22 through 24. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, and you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And we'll stop there. <clears throat> so Peter says, hey, you guys, men of Israel, remember these are all Jewish guys here coming for the celebration of Pentecost. He says, look, you guys, look, Israel. Hear these words. Listen to what I'm saying. Remember Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, why he says Nazareth? Because Jesus was a common name back then. So he specifically points out Jesus, as we know, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. That's where that 
movie comes from. <laughs> yeah. And that's where he, he lived, right? And so Jesus of Nazareth, you know the guy I'm talking about. He was, a, he, he was attested to you by God. It showed God was with him. And, and Peter's making, basically saying what everyone knew. Jesus, he performed these mighty works, these wonders and signs. You know, everyone saw that this was incredible. No, no human being can do that. Something was special. And you guys know. He says, you guys know how God was in him. But then you also know the same Jesus in verse 23. He was delivered up. He was, he was given over, in other words, to be condemned to die. But Peter says, but this is according to this definite plan and foreknowledge of God. God purposed all this sovereignly. It was for a reason. And he's saying, and it was you guys who crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. Now, Peter's like, look, it, 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 it was you guys who, who put him, put uh, uh, Jesus on the cross. You were all party to that. You, you were, <coughs> but you're, um, you, you guys know how you totally went with that, in other words. So Peter says, look, all this I'm talking about, Joel, what's been said, it really does relate to Jesus. <coughs> and then he says that, verse 24, God raised him up. Though he died, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, the pain of death <laughs> he was loose from because Jesus was not, a, it was not possible for him to be held. Like, uh, the grave could not hold him, the song says. And so Peter's like, look, he rose again from the dead. He's, he, he actually is, is alive now. This is Jesus. This is the Jesus. You guys know what happened. <laughs> this all relates to Jesus in God's plan and with the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse 25 through 28, he goes to the third part of his sermon, and he says, this is what David wrote about. First of all, this is what Joel foretold. <laughs> this all relates to Jesus. Now he goes to this third part. This is what David wrote about. And he basically quotes Psalm 16, verse 8 through 11 here. Peter says, for David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. So David starts to talk about how he saw the Lord always before me. Um, <clears throat> he, he, was, he, he was blessed with the Lord. But here's the amazing thing. He goes on in verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence, I'm sorry, Peter says, um, about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Like, David's, David is, is, is um, dead. He's buried there. And this relates to verse 27 when David wrote, You will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. <coughs> He's saying, look, this isn't about David. David still is in the tomb. Verse 30, Being therefore a prophet, talking about David, and knowing that God is sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not <coughs> abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh <coughs> see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that um, 
you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So here's Peter. He's saying, look, uh, you know, David's still in the tomb. But being a prophet, um, or, or being there for a prophet, he told him, and knowing that God sworn an oath to him, remember God told him that his descendant would be on the throne forever, right? And that spoke about the Christ, the Messiah, would be king. And so <clears throat> David saw that. David saw in what he said in verse 27 of that psalm, or verse 27 of, of our chapter from that psalm, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. He was talking about the resurrection of Christ. Verse 31. So, Jesus rose again from the dead. He was raised up. And then Peter says, look, we're all witnesses to that. <clears throat> we saw him alive. Every one of us, all us 12 apostles and 120, we saw him alive. <coughs> so he says in verse 33 that, so now Jesus is exalted at the right hand of God, having received and then um, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, then having received us from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So now he brings in together <clears throat> what Job foretold, uh, how, how this relates to Jesus. And it's talking about how now that Jesus is raised from the dead and he's at the right hand of God. As was promised, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on the people. So he's explaining this. <coughs> then he goes on to say, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. So David never rose from the dead. He was speaking of the Messiah. And David didn't ascend, but um, he was speaking about the Messiah. The Lord said to my Lord that the Messiah would sit at the right hand of God until I make your enemies your footstool. So here's Peter bringing it all together. This is what David wrote about. <coughs> it relates to Jesus. So he's bringing the Holy Spirit coming and what Jesus did in coming, and then rising again. This is what was prophesied, and this is what David wrote about. <coughs> I want you to take note how Peter, I like this, uses the Old Testament scripture to prove his point. Isn't that great? It's just leaking Old Testament here. <coughs> Where did he learn that? Well, from Jesus. So G he's saying, look, Jesus is that exalted one, not David. So then look at verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So Peter first says, look, this, this is what you're seeing, the Holy Spirit, the tongues. This is what Joe foretold. And let me tell you, this relates to Jesus, the one who was crucified and rose again. And you know what? This is what David wrote about. Christ's resurrection was predicted. And now number four, it's the last part of this sermon. It's verse 36. This is all about Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Isn't that great? He brings him into this thought now, puts it all together. Let all the house of Israel, let everyone you... Of you here, no, for certain, God has made Jesus the Lord of all. What the person David was talking about, Christ, means the Messiah. This Jesus, whom you guys crucified, he was actually the Messiah. <coughs> I love this. Peter, he actually connects all of this for them. But you know what? It's the Holy Spirit who gives Peter these scriptures, who, who brings it together and arranges it in this way 
to connect the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and show them Jesus is the Messiah. He really is the Messiah. <clears throat> so here we see pre Peter preaches the case for Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. And you know what? And by the Holy Spirit, it makes all sense. You see, understand <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is our helper. Yeah. We, we, I taught you guys, I, before you read the Bible, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand the scriptures, to, to help you hear from God. Well, it's the Spirit. Think about it this way. It's the Spirit that connects all of this together. It's the Holy Spirit that connects the scripture and our mind together to where it clicks. It makes sense in all of this. It's the Holy Spirit that was in Peter's preaching. And how powerful this must have been. <clears throat> I mean, what does this mean, Peter? What is this? Well, let me tell you what's going on. The prophet Joel foretold this. It's a new era for the Spirit being poured into those who believe. And you know what? This all relates to Jesus. Remember his life, his miracles, his death. Guess what? God raised him from the dead. And what you heard, they're not rumors. It's true. We are witnesses to that. And this is exactly what David wrote about, that the Messiah would rise again and sit on David's throne forever, that he would be the Lord, the King of Israel. And you know what that means? Guess what? This means, with the Holy Spirit coming and the baptism, that this is Jesus Christ. They're probably going, whoa, what? Really? Yes, Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Lord God. <laughs> he is the Messiah. And it's the Holy Spirit that has that power to connect our mind to scripture and it makes all sense <clears throat> I was thinking about how it's funny how um, different we, we can think and you guys that are married probably understand that between husband and wife <clears throat> and sometimes um, my wife is trying to explain something to me and, and I, don't, I don't understand it Totally, I'm trying to, you know, kind of get it. But then I hear her explain it to our daughter-in-law, and they're like on the same page. <laughs> Whoa, they, they, they connect in that. The brain waves are like maybe moving in the same way. <laughs> but think about with the Holy Spirit and His touch. He can connect the Scripture to what is being said to the receiver in their mind and in their heart. That's a work of the Spirit. Now, we see Peter has been baptized with the Spirit. He's doing something that is amazing, preaching, pulling up uh, scriptures, Old Testament scriptures. I'm sure he's been taught by Jesus these scriptures, but now he's putting it all together. And in <coughs> that, that moment, when they're saying, what does this mean? He's bringing forth. Well, let me tell you. It's about Jesus. Let me tell you. The Spirit was prophesied to come into people. Let me tell you that it's because of Christ who, who died, rose again, as David prophesied, that he's the Lord. And as the Father promised, that the Spirit would come. This is what's happening. And you know what that means? The conclusion is... Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He is the Christ. <clears throat> Listen, what we're seeing here, I think we need to learn from. What we're seeing here, we need to learn that, <clears throat> you know what? We have to be in the Spirit. We have to be <clears throat> filled with the Spirit. We have to be empowered by the Spirit when we share Christ. When, we, when we're sharing with someone, Jesus. I, I know in times of counseling or 
even sharing Christ with people, how, how many times uh, I, I do my best to be submitted to the Spirit. And in that mode, so to speak, I do my best to follow the Spirit. And, and sometimes the Spirit would give me a thought or a word or something to say. And, and then the receiver, the person on the other end, takes that and goes, wow, it's like a light bulb going off. It's something that clicks. And, and, and it, it's almost in a way that I'm surprised too, you know. To me, it's just, oh, it's just this. It's a word. Maybe it's something I've always thought about. But to the other person, it's like, oh, I get it. I see that now. <clears throat> now, I recognize now that it's not anything of me or any smart thing that I say. But it's the Holy Spirit that is empowering that word to connect this principle or scripture or what God is, God is putting forth, uh, right? He's empowering that to connect that line. And, and so it's the Spirit. So I, I think we need to be aware of that. And we need to, to, to be open to that. And to be prayerfully seeking that to be submitted to the Spirit. So, here's Peter. He powerfully pe preaches Jesus here. Through the Spirit, he boldly stands up. The courage in the Spirit, he presents the case for Jesus Christ. And now we come to number three. The call to salvation. In this section, we're going to finish out our section from verse 37 through 41. But first, look at 37. <clears throat> now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Notice, <coughs> they were cut to the heart. You know what that means? They were deeply convicted. I mean, they realized this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, you know, whom they took part in wanting him to be crucified. <clears throat> These were the ones who rejected his claims. That now their eyes are open. That he really was the Messiah. Or he really is the Messiah. And that, as I mentioned before, that they took part in his death. I mean, they wanted that to happen. They're just as guilty of, of murdering him. As, as maybe the, the priests and the scribes or the, the religious leaders, how they manipulated things. I think that's like you and I too, right? Our sins put Christ on the cross. That's what they're feeling. Wow, we've wronged him. This is actually the Messiah. <clears throat> Can you imagine the regret of their wrong and failure? Well, verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent. Do you want to know what to do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just what I was talking about. <coughs> for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So Peter gives this way to be saved. And what does he say? First of all, repent. Repent before God. Repent means to turn around from your sin. It means to do 180. You turn from the direction that you're going. To turn from your sins. And then he says, be baptized. He's talking about water baptism. Now, <clears throat> this doesn't mean you got to be water baptized to be saved. The baptism is really a public show of your faith. It, 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 it's actually like when we have an altar call. and People come forward or stand up or raise their hand. It's sort of like that. It, it, it's a response in faith to want to give your life to Christ. It's a response of repentance, um, an actual a action that you do, not just pray, but you get up, you're going, you're showing everybody a public show, basically. <coughs> and 
Now, just because it says in here that repent and be baptized, some have taken that and made it into a doctrine that you got to be water baptized to be saved. But if we take all of Scripture, that's not true. If we really need water to be saved, then Jesus would have told the thief on the cross, sorry, it's too late. If we really needed water, then Paul would have wrote in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we are saved by grace through faith and water baptism. No, he said, no, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. <clears throat> so, really he's talking about repent, show that repentance by being water baptized. And then, <laughs> as you come to Christ, the name of Jesus, <laughs> you will find forgiveness for your sins. And the, you'll receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized too. You'll be filled like the apostles in 120 here. And that's that promise. Notice he says in verse 40, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. <laughs> He's saying, look, this is the direction rejecting Jews are going. Once you're rejecting Jesus, don't go with that. Turn to Christ. Turn to the Lord. And so in many other words, it's not recorded here as he answered the question, what shall we do? He called them to salvation here. So what happened? Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about three thousand souls. <laughs> so what happened? That's awesome. Those who received this word, those who believed, right? They were saved. That's so awesome. They were baptized with water. <coughs> and the count came to be about 3,000 people. 3,000. Maybe there's more. There, there's a lot of people, but God did a powerful work. So the last thing to see is the call to salvation resulted in a powerful work of God as many, many souls were saved. <clears throat> Turn to the right to over, over to Romans chapter 1. Just the, the next book over. Romans chapter 1, the next book over. Look at verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. May you and I not be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to save people. He saves people. And he uses the Holy Spirit in us as we share. And anyone who believes will be saved. May you and I not be ashamed to share Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Or else you know what's going to happen? We're going to miss the powerful work of God. Be bold. Be willing to, <clears throat> through the Spirit, explain Jesus. You never know, through the power of the Spirit, how that's going to affect someone. How... <laughs> the Spirit will logically make those connections for them and how it come together for them. And then they'll come to believe and know Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to do a powerful work. And when you see the powerful work of Christ, of the Holy Spirit, it means that Christ is working. And you know what? It means what Peter's saying here. That Jesus is alive. That he's, he's resurrected. That he's sitting on the throne. That he's pouring out his spirit. <coughs> I want to close with this. In the 1900s, an explorer, Roald Amundsen, is credited of discovering the South Pole, amongst other things. He was this explorer. And on one of his expeditions, he took a homing pigeon with him. <clears throat> when he reached his destination at the top of the world, he opened the bird's cage and set 
the pigeon free. Sometime later in Norway, to the delight of his wife, she looked up from the doorway of her home and saw the pigeon circling above. And you know what she said? He's alive. My husband is alive. Because she knew he sent the bird. <coughs> so it is with the presence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. It's the evidence that, the, that Jesus is alive, that he's, he's real. It's the evidence that people saw when they saw Peter, when they heard Peter. They saw, this is how they saw the powerful spirit working when Peter powerfully preaches Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word tonight. <coughs> and Lord, we ask, God, for your help, for your spirit, God, to help us, Lord, in our conversations, God, and how we relate to one another. Maybe in those hard conversations or the times when people are asking for help or when, Lord, you're prompting us to share you, God. We can get nervous. We can have a loss for words. It, it can feel like public speaking. But God, with your spirit, we can be equipped and powerfully, Lord, move, Jesus, to be able to share your word and share your love and your salvation to <coughs> those who are in need. So God has <coughs> that you fill us with your spirit right now. We are your children, Lord. You have saved us. You sit upon the throne and we belong to you. So God, may we live like your children, your people, and share the light of your love and salvation to all around us. To share your word to those who are hurting. To pray for those. Put our hand on them. Pray for them. That they may also be touched by your spirit. God, let us be your instruments and tools. And even after our failures, God, <coughs> Help us, Lord, to rise up in your second chance you give us and to serve you. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for being with us, Lord, and even tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.